0: Hi there, and welcome to the podium, the place where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. My name's Jason Skyless and we've got a huge edition of our show that we're going to be bringing you. We've got some very special guests joining us on the show to talk about what's going on in the world at the moment, including the Supercar E Series events. We've got a seven time Supercar champion in Jamie Wing Cup joining us to talk about what's happening and also to reflect on some of his career highlights. And we've also got another popular name in the supercar world. It's Jack Perkins. And Jack's also going to be joining us and talking about a few of the projects that he's working on, including the upcoming drive with 23 Red Racing at the Enduros in 2020. So it's a huge edition of our show. Uh, Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, and you can catch up on anything that you might have missed in previous editions of the show. Uh, Right after this, though, we're joined with the seven-time supercar champion, Jamie Winkup, on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. And we're joined right now with a guy that he's won the Supercar Championship seven times, including four Bathurst 1000 victories. It's, of course, Jamie Winkup. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us on the podium.
1: No, not a problem. Good
0: to, uh, good to chat. Now, Jamie, you know, the word unprecedented has been thrown around a lot the past month. And talk about how everything's affecting your world.
1: Oh Yeah, it's been, um, obviously... The world's changed quite a bit, as we all know. We're all it right across the world the last uh, or four months. But um, in my world, it's, you know, it's actually quite, uh, quite a nice change of pace, to be honest. While I'm massively respectful of, uh, of what's going on in the medical world and trying to do my thing, social distancing and um, making sure we take the, uh, take the virus as serious as possible and do everything we can to, to get rid of it. Um, the fact that we've the world slowed down a bit and and got to a place where where um, you know we're probably putting a little bit more emphasis on the environment now rather than uh, rather than the economy uh, hasn't been a bad thing.
0: Well, yeah, of course you have a cafe as well, the Loka Cafe up on the Gold Coast. It's also doubles up as a car wash. How's it affected the business side for you?
1: Uh, we've been very lucky. We've been able to continue to trade all the way through. the, the um, the entire covid-19 period so while we while we uh you know our incomes down you know 30 to 50% um we've been able to keep people in jobs and keep people uh keep people uh, alive basically so uh it's been a it's been a good thing we, we you know we're looking forward to trying to grow those businesses again post uh, post covid but uh it's we've been very very lucky that um with all the lockdowns uh, we're able to continue to keep trading and able to keep uh, keep people in business.
0: That's fantastic. Well, motorsport, you know, every industry's been affected. Everyone's been affected by everything that's been going on. Motorsport, though, has been able to provide somewhat of a substitute to race fans, and that's been through the development of E-Series events happening across the world. Supercars has put on a massive production with their media team to put together their E-Series, Talk about that, f- before we get into some of the races, talk about that experience of how you prepare, though, for an E-Series event.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. Um, we're very, very grateful to have um, to be able to, to compete in some way, shape, or form. It's, it's obviously uh, nothing like the real thing, but um, it is it is racing, and we're able to go live on uh, on Fox every Wednesday night for 10 weeks and um, provide some sort of entertainment and I think that's pretty important when there's, there's absolutely no sport around at the moment. So the the preparations obviously very very different. You know, motorsports about travelling with a team and going to a venue and rolling out two cars that you spent a month building and uh, and then go race everybody else and off you go. But the E Series is more. Hey, it's well, well some of the guys are taking it very seriously and doing a lot of testing and driving behind the scenes. Um, most of us are just um having a bit of fun with it we'll, we'll do a few hours of practice each week and jump in wednesday night and cut some laps and um they've changed the format to um to help that in some way so there's a just standard race race one but then there's always a reverse grid race so um that always causes the field off and there's always plenty of action and um but yeah no we're enjoying it we're as i said we're very very grateful of to be able to do something like this. Um, we're enjoying the experience. and But at the same time, we're looking forward to um, getting back in the real cars and cutting lights around the tracks all over the country.
0: What's the thing uh, with the E-Series? We've seen like drivers such as Brody uh, or Anton, obviously shown his class, as well as Scotty McLaughlin, all these people that are very familiar with iRacing. Um, there have been people that have kind of talked about your performances. You know, You've achieved so much in the actual real world of motorsport. You know, talk us through some of those adjustments for you know real world competition compared to virtual racing, and why you know sometimes for some of the drivers it takes a little bit more getting used to
1: oh uh, well, it's sort of nothing that close to the real thing you know it's, it's a it's a computer game at the end of the day that you you once you learn the game' like like mortal combat, i suppose or <laughs> Going down to the going down to the time zone and playing uh, Daytona. Yeah. <laughs> Once you sort of learn the game, you're quite good at it. Um, I've done no gaming in my uh, in my life. I my motto is keep it real and uh, stay in the outdoors. And you know, I, I struggle to spend more than fifteen minutes in the gym because I, I just love the outdoors. You know, getting out and doing stuff. So um, yeah, no, I'm I'm no gaming professional. I never never have been, never will be. Um, but at the same time. Enjoying the enjoying the challenge, enjoying the competition, and love getting in the sim every Wednesday night and going out there and having a crack. And uh, when you run sort of mid-pack towards the back, you you always get involved in all the crashes. That's probably something that is realistic to the real life. Um, and yeah, yeah. So it's been it's all it's, all, it's all a bit of fun. It doesn't uh, it keeps us alive until we can um, we can get back racing again.
0: And what have you made of this season so far? Of course, we had races at the Superloop Five Hundred. You got a win there, obviously, which was fantastic for you and the entire team there. What is the team going to be doing in preparation for real-world competition?
1: Yeah, well, we've, as you say, we we hit the ground running and got a win at uh, win it win at Adelaide, and then um, then we were pole and, and a second to start. Uh, the first two races at the Grand Prix and then boom that's when uh, everything got banned the world changed fairly fairly dramatically so um, we're hoping we don't lose our momentum um, we've unfortunately like most teams had to stop trade so we haven't been working on our, our cars or our development at all um, our team have gone ahead and worked on a on a, a ventilator um, to supply the country if, if, uh, if, if there's a shortage of ventilators we're ready to go to build you know, up to 2,000 units, if not more, um, to be able to supply the medical world. Um, so you're all focused on that. So it's once we get an idea of when the, the border control is going to be lifted and an idea of when we can go racing again, that's when we'll start to dial in and start to um, keep working on, uh, on car performance.
0: Let's talk about your beginnings. Uh, look, I think it was 1998 and 1999 when you started off doing some go-karting and... At that point in time, you didn't really have many expectations.
1: No, no. It's just the karting cutting started when my father brought me a go-kart when I was seven years old. I uh, grew up in Melbourne. We went to the local trust, That was back in 1991. And um, had a had a fantastic karting career. Really enjoyed my time uh, going traveling around Victoria and around the country with my parents. And then we got to, to late 90s, as you say, 98, 99, where we started competing in the highest the highest level of karting, Um which was which was fantastic. So we are able to get a get a win in the in the uh, what I regard as the highest sort of series in um in karting in Australia um in nineteen ninety nine and um it was they were good times. We really enjoyed it. As I've always said, I think ninety percent of your racecraft um, gets developed in karting and then the last ten percent is learning a gearbox and learning the big tracks and and everything like that, but um yeah, racing my mates, Will Davidson, um you know, James Courtney, Mark Winterbottom, Michael Crusoe, those guys. Uh yeah, all the racing's the same these days. It's just uh, there's just a little bit more money involved.
0: You started off at seven years old. What racing were you watching as a kid and who were you looking up to growing up?
1: Oh you know what I didn't watch a huge amount of racing. Of course I followed Supercar and and also um, F one, but you know I wasn't a massive massive follower. I didn't have any uh, drivers that I followed. I just enjoyed the sport, and to be honest, I just loved competing myself and taking my car to the track and and um, you know ra- racing racing around and around. So yeah, yeah, enjoyed motorsport, but enjoyed competing more than anything.
0: Well, yeah, you you mentioned that success there initially in the go uh two thousand. Uh, you competed in the state Formula Ford Championship here in Victoria, fifth in the standings there. And in 2001, this was, this was a big year for you because you competed in the national Formula Ford competition, a third place in the standings. It was a family-run team as well at that point. And like you mentioned there, a few uh, familiar names that you were competing against. You had Will Davison, of course, who ended up winning this, the season. You had a, a solid yeah. start and finish to that year. Um, you were competing along the likes of Will Power and Marcus Marshall. Talk us through that 2001 Formula Ford campaign?
1: Yeah, that was our first sort of real proper onslaught in Formula Ford. So, big step. Like, go, race go-karts and use go-karts on the back of our hands for 15 years. But then, going to the bigger tracks and learning a, a racing car um, was quite difficult. I, I had my uncle Graham who, um, he's done a lot of racing, a lot of car racing in his time. He was he was there helping out. So, that was, that was great to have some experience. But, um, what we quickly found out going up against the the bigger teams, um, the and, and the big former Ford team at that time was Sonic Motorsport. Trying to compete with those guys that had so much experience was difficult, but we did the experience. We competed well. We, we qualified well a few times and ran with, um, with data and, and Will Power on a, on a few occasions. So we're pretty proud of what we achieved in 2001, but as always, Looked, uh, looked are trying to get bigger and better in
0: 2002. Well, yeah, you mentioned that powerful team in Sonic, of course. You joined them in 2002 when uh, Will Davidson moved on to, I think, pursue a career in, in Europe at that point in time. This was a solid, okay. a solid season for you. You won the first five rounds of the championship. You finished ahead of Mark Winterbottom and, and Marcus Marshall, obviously. Your first big national championship there, of course, in Formula Ford. Talk about 2002 and how you developed as a driver throughout that year.
1: Well, as I said, you know, Sonic did did such a good job with developing the car, and um, when we had you know, exactly the exactly same car as my teammate Marcus Marshall, it was it was, and and we had all the data from um, from Will Davo there the year before. Uh, it was a it was a good benchmark to really measure myself and see where I see where I was at as far as car racing went. And um, as you say, had had a fantastic year. Really enjoyed my time at Sonic. It was. It was an enjoyable year, you know, it's just raw racing, you have to see, take your car to the track and just try to try to race everyone to the finish line, you know, it's just that rawness of, of motorsport. It wasn't too much money involved, it wasn't too much media. It was uh it was just yeah, go, go racing for what it was, yeah, which is fantastic. So um we had a fantastic year. One won the Formula Ford Championship, couldn't be happier. Um but more importantly probably probably Showed uh, showed a little bit of skill or enough skill to be able to um, be able to have the the, yeah, the supercar team managers looking on, and uh, and then I got some supercar opportunities after that.
0: Yeah, just before we get to that supercar, the first stint in supercars, you mentioned Will Davison there, still a good mate of yours now. Uh, he ventured over to Europe. Obviously, did you have any ambitions as to moving over to Europe when you were having all the success in Formula Ford?
1: Uh, I certainly looked at it, but. Um, I pretty much sent my parents broke in two thousand and two. literally, um, we're in a fed you know the country in a severe of financial difficulty because uh, they they did everything they could and probably spent a little bit more money than what was comfortable to um to make sure that I could compete at uh, at the highest level in form Ford racing. So at the end of two thousand and two, uh, I don't know if we would have been able to do another year of Formula Ford in 03. I think that was sort of basically the end of the road for me unless I could, uh, unless I could somewhat turn professional and, um, be a professional racing driver and just, you know, be, be able to, to drive a car without having to, having to pay for it moving forward. So, um, the, the, you know, we couldn't even afford for me to, to get a ticket to Europe rather than go there and race cars and burn wow. up a heap of money. So, it wasn't realistic in oh three to go over to Europe. Um, but what was realistic was to um to to try to start and um set the set the grounds for a for a good career here in Australia. Well
0: yeah, of course you mentioned it there. Uh you linked up with G R M, Gary Rogers Motorsport at the back end of the two thousand and two season. Uh you had sponsorship with Valvoline as well, which uh helped with that and Greg Ritter of course, I think was at the team and um of course you had the Ritter family involved in Sonic, obviously. Uh, interesting debut, of course. Uh, back then we had the Queensland race at Ipswich that held the 500 uh, Enduro. And you debuted with Max Dumsney. I'm not sure people would remember that, but Max Dumsney was your teammate mm. for that very first Enduro run. And then, of course, you went to Bathurst yep. with Mark Nosky. Talk about those first Enduro races there with Gary Rogers. Oh, well, I jumped in a
1: supercar and it was fast you know, it was six times the horsepower of my Formula Ford, so just the, the sheer acceleration of this car and the speed was was really hard to get your head around, but um, yeah, I was just flying steady, you know, I, didn't, I, I was a young kid, and I knew how to drive, and I knew, you know, an apex, but I uh, just didn't know the car and, and, and its capabilities, but hung in there, I think it qualified somewhere down the back, we had a clean range, stayed out of trouble, and um, I handed the car back back to Gary at the end of the end of the first round nice and straight and um got plenty of experience and plenty of miles I know about. And when
0: did uh, Gary give you a ring and let you know about getting a full time call up for two thousand three?
1: Well it was my father and my uncle that was doing the negotiation but I was too young to be, to get involved in all that sort of stuff. Um so yeah, they they were chatting in the background um about the possibility of in the car full time in two thousand and three and it was it was late two thousand and two but um yeah an opportunity arose and um I was committed, committed to the full supercar season in O three.
0: Well yeah, like one of the very, very few low lights of your career is probably 2003, 27th in the standings. Uh you did manage to get an eleventh and twelfth place finish at uh Hidden Valley in the Gold Coast. Talk about that learning period in two thousand and three and Kind of what you learnt about yourself as a driver, and what you learnt about supercars competing with Gary Rogers in two thousand
1: three. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough year. Like, you yeah, but it always is going to be tough. First year is is um difficult learning all the tracks, trying to learn the car, and being so young. You know, it's always really any any new any new kid coming in from the development series or from a Ford, you know, or any any other category really. When you're only twenty years of age. Um, you, you require two years. First year to learn everything, second year to uh to try to capitalise on what you've learnt the first year. So, um yeah, I was I was hoping to, to renew for um O four but um Gary decided to go another way. I think he had a probably a little bit of pressure from, from sponsors and whatnot. So um we decided to part ways at the end of 03, um, which was difficult because I was the young kid that was sort of given us. but you know, not many people understand the whole um, what goes on behind the scenes and how difficult it is to be a competitive supercar driver so um, unfortunately the uneducated saw me as the kid that's got an opportunity that didn't make the most of it so it was quite difficult to get back in again after that it was sort of, I was somewhat blacklisted but um, no, no, from no uh, we, we, I just ground away did, did what I needed to do and um, got an opportunity again and got back in
0: 2008, this was what a season from you you know, first in the standings, you know, your first ever supercar championship. Uh, you won 16 races, obviously, throughout the course of the season. Wins at Clipsall, Sandown, Winton, Phillip Island, Bathurst, Gold Coast, Bahrain, Tasmania at Simmons Plains and also at Oran uh, Park to close out the season. You even missed races at Hamilton and you still had such a dominant season. Talk about 2008 and, you know, all those experiences there.
1: Yeah, so we're able to, to just keep improving, you know, keep on the same trajectory and get more more car performance out of the car. And I was I was certainly driving better as well. And uh, yeah, we were we were we were the quickest car in 2008 by a long shot. And as you say, unfortunately, I had a qualifying crash at uh, Hamilton in, two, in 08 and didn't make the race. And we lost a lot of points there, but we had enough pace to be able to just. Uh, it's far away, and um, yeah, won, won the championship that year. My first, uh, my first championship. Fantastic feeling. I'll, I'll never forget it. Doing uh doing the donuts at par um to, to finish off the year. But yeah,
0: fantastic. 2019, the Ford Mustang came into the championship, and it kind of blew everyone away. And obviously, we all know what's happened there in terms of the parity performance changes that got made throughout that season. Uh, third in the, in the standings that year in 2019, five wins again. Uh, one of the popular wins, though, you, you reunited with Craig, obviously, after he stepped down from his full-time duties. One of the highlights of that year was uh, the win at Sandown with, with your buddy Craig Lowndes.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, that was, uh, that was fantastic. So, the team back up with Lowndes after a decade, decade apart, um, and that was a big win at Sandown. We were the ones was done going to have but, but uh, that's another story, but... Yeah, yeah. So I have a win at the 500. That was uh, that was great. Good to uh, good to be standing on the, on the podium again with, with Lounsi.
0: And you also made your debut in a in the proper Australian GT Championship at Phillip Island in a Merc. Um, yeah, is, is sports car racing something that you're also considering down the line, doing a lot more of? Uh, not yet.
1: As I said, I don't plan too far ahead. I've uh, I got a deal with T8, so I'll continue to, to drive a supercar. Till the end of next year, but I'm not sure what um what what's in, in store after that. But who knows? Who knows? I love driving, you know. But so I'll, I'll wait and see.
0: Yeah, and 2020, obviously, um, we haven't had much racing. Obviously, we had the Superloop 500. You had a big win there. Uh, the Bathurst GT race, of course, third place with SVG and uh, Maximilian Gertz. Uh, e Series. Talk about 2020 and what that's what that's been like for you.
1: Well, 20, as we mentioned got off a great start. Um, get a win at Adelaide was great, second in the points, you know, got a opposition for, for in qualifying at the Grand Prix and then boom, now we've been put on hold for a few months. So uh twenty twenty is everyone's experiencing the same thing. We're just uh we're in we're in, in limbo waiting for uh, border control to be um to be be restricted. And uh once we're allowed once we're allowed to travel interstate we'll um we'll get the championship back underway and um, hopefully we can continue the momentum we had at the start. But as I said, we've spent so much time uh, building a ventilator and doing other things outside of motorsport. We, um, it's probably time now to, um, to really dial back in again and get the, make sure that um, the other teams haven't, uh, haven't found development in any way. Um, so we can still be as competitive as you were when we stopped.
0: Well, yeah, you know, so much has gone on already, you know, um, you know, it's about May now, and just we seem to forget that Holden made their big announcement as well just a few months ago. What was it like for you that the emotion when you heard about Holden's decision to no longer cease to exist?
1: uh no, it was quite a shock. Yeah, like Holden are as as Aussie as ours, you know, it's it's uh it was a it was a big shock to to for them to make the announcement. We. We knew we knew it was coming at some stage, but certainly didn't expect it at the start of the start of this year. So um, it was a it was a proud proud moment at Adelaide to to get uh, get the win for all the, the Holden employees and the service people and the salesmen that have um, stood by the brand for, for many years. But um, life goes on, things change. We're um we're while we're very very proud of the relationship we have with Holden, we're um. And we'll continue that for this year and beyond. But um, there'll be a time where we need to move on to something else, and look forward to that opportunity as well.
0: Yeah, I want to ask. You know, we've talked. You know, in great detail about your career. What advice would you have for drivers now? Like uh, an example of this being someone like Richie Stanaway, obviously that in a similar position, he had a very difficult period in supercars obviously what kind of advice would you offer Richie Stanaway and other supercar drivers and other drivers wanting to get involved in motorsport
1: oh um, it, it's been a fantastic sport for me there's, there's ups and downs you know you've got to ride the good with the bad you can't expect it to be all, all fun and games and all puts and glamour the whole time so going through the tough times and enjoy the enjoy the good times real and all um, it's kept me off the street it's kept me busy um get me get me motivated and i think it's made me a better human so um it's one day i have kids i'll certainly get them involved in motorsport
0: fantastic and just to finish up long career we documented all those highlights of course all those wins in the championship bathurst and everything else that you've won obviously what is the career highlight do you have a career highlight
1: no, I don't. It's, I think it's unfair to name one particular race or event or highlight. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a fantastic journey, one I've really enjoyed. and It's not over yet. You know, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only just over mid-30, so I've still got plenty of years left in the sport and I'm um, looking forward to what the future holds.
0: Fantastic. Well, Jamie, thanks so much for joining us today and all the very best of luck for the future.
1: No, good chatting.
2: Thanks for the chat. There we are.
0: Red Bull Racing driver Jamie Whincup talking about his career in motorsport and also giving his thoughts on the Supercars E-Series, which has been very popular amongst motorsport fans the past few weeks. Uh, if you want to catch an extended interview with Jamie, head over to our podcasting platforms, so Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can tune into a very special extended interview with Jamie where he talks in more depth about his career. Uh, right after this, though, we've got Jack Perkins joining us on the podium. This is a podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. And we're joined now with a guy that we've had on the show a little while ago. Uh, He's a fantastic bloke. We talked in great depth about his career with him. And he's done so much more in just the time since we had him on. He, of course, has 148 supercar starts to his name. He has three podium finishes, including a win at the Gold Coast 600 and a podium at the Bathurst 1000. It is, of course, Jack Perkins. Jack, thank you so much for joining us on the podium.
2: Hey, Jason. Uh, my pleasure, mate. Always good to have a chat.
0: Well, yeah. Well, Jack, it's it's been quite a busy period for you. So, first of all, Jack, let's talk about that and Juro Cup campaign from 2019. Uh, we saw the schedule changes, which meant the Bathus 1000 was the first event on the calendar. Talk about Bathurst, because it was quite a memorable weekend for you, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was, mate. It was a weird start for us, obviously, with the Sandown 500 not being the first Enduro. the Bathurst 1000 was the first endurance race of the season, which was a surprise to everyone. Um, but ultimately, when we got to Bathurst, something really changed. Uh, everyone was there, was there to do their job just without the sort of warm-up race, if you like. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was actually a really tough week for me. The week before that, I was diagnosed with influenza B, and uh, I was, um, yeah, really quite crook. I was the, the the most ill I've been. I missed the test day at Winton before the event uh, as a result of that and uh, it certainly came into the Bathurst weekend a little bit underprepared from a physical point of view but uh, you know, always remain confident that I'd be capable of doing the job. Um, after the first day, on the Thursday, I decided it was probably best to stand down from doing the development series race and Motorsport just focus on saving the energy and saving the, the, the focus for the main race on Sunday so I had to make a really tough call to, to sit out the the uh two hundred and fifty K race Saturday and um you know Eagles and Motorsport were very understanding of that and uh you know it obviously was was, was a tough thing to do having got all their equipment there to go racing and then I, I didn't I didn't run so um yeah tough tough decision to make early in the week but um certainly paid dividends come Sunday uh you know early in the day, race day we were we weren't in great shape. We'd had a puncture um in James' uh first stint, which meant he had to come in and change tyre. And we're on the back foot all day. And the only way we could get back into a in contention of the race um, uh, from really early on was to start saving fuel. Our, our engineers, uh, hats off to them. They they worked out from about lap 30 when James had to make the, the unfortunate untimed pit stop that from that point on, we needed to save sort of five or six laps of fuel to get home on a reverse pit window. So from that point, it was a really, really long day um, just saving fuel not really being able to push the car to its limits to understand what we had pace-wise, but sort of just trying to stay out of trouble, uh, minimise the risk of going a lap down and, and try and maintain a sort of a hand in the race by trying a bit of a different strategy. So, you know, James and I both did double stints where we saved fuel and were able to save, you know, three or four laps of fuel across double stints. And, um, you know, I think started to, you know, a lot of our opposition realised that we were actually really, really good on fuel some teams were only doing twenty two laps to a tank of fuel and James and I did double stints of forty eight laps, which is twenty four to each tank. So it was uh it was incredible shape up to what then turned into be an actual fuel race. And once that was the case, you know, when when it looked like the end of the end of the day where, where James was right in contention and everyone was saving fuel, well we'd already been doing that all day, so we were in tremendous position to get to the flag. And um, you know, as it turns out we got to the flag in third, it was a great result, but Had it not have been for that last safety car, we may have been a couple of steps higher on the podium, but you can't dwell on those things. But we're pretty proud of how we were able to bounce back. It was a team effort to, you know, really play uh, play a strategy game all day. It took a lot of, you know, persistence and things from the drivers. And James did a great job. And, uh, yeah, it was really a proud moment for me to stand on the Bathurst podium, that's for sure.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, you've had success, obviously, with that win at the Gold Coast 600 a number of years ago. How did this compare, though? Because, you know, a lot of people would remember your dad's success, six wins at the iconic Bathurst 1000. What was it like for you to finally get onto that Bathurst podium?
2: Oh, yeah. For me, you know, it was kind of a achieving a lifetime dream. Winning the race at the Gold Coast 600 was great, but Bathurst is our sort of pinnacle in the in the crown. It's our biggest event and um, something that I've, you know, dreamt about uh, achieving some success. And for me to get on the podium for the first time was probably... You know, the first time I've really been able to realise an accomplishment of something that my dad did obviously he finished on the podium a lot of times and won, but um certainly a lot of his podium finishes were seconds and thirds. So to sort of do that was a yeah, really nice feeling and one I uh, I was really proud of and um uh, yeah, one I look back on with fond memories and uh I couldn't have picked a better person to do it with James Courtney. He's been a great friend of mine. We've had a great partnership together and uh he knows how much it means to me and um you know, I, I can't thank him enough for uh, you know, how well he's um, you know, looked after me, worked with me, and uh, you know, he, he never wanted to, to grab the sole accolade. It's always been about us as a team and us as a, you know, a driver and a, a co-driver. So, uh, yeah, it was just a great reward. Um, you know, unfortunately, Sunday night I was still battling a little bit of the flu, so I wasn't able to have a few beers and celebrate, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure uh, one day we'll get that chance.
0: What did dad say to you after the race?
2: Oh, I can't remember the exact words, but, uh, I was just on a phone phone call. I remember ringing him when we were walking back from the podium or the press conference. And, uh, I think he was, you know, pretty, pretty proud and, uh, knows how hard I've worked for it. Um, not just in terms of being working hard in various ra- races, but obviously getting on the grid and, and sort of trying to cement the spot in the supercars, uh, driver's seat. So, uh, no, obviously my mum and dad proud of uh, proud of it for sure. And uh, hopefully uh there's
0: another one of them before uh, before retirement second. Yeah, let let's hope so. I remember when we had Larry on the show for an interview a while ago, I asked him about his like favorite highlights from his time in motorsport, from his career in motorsport, and he said that your win at the Gold Coast is his highlight. Out of all the things that have come from motorsport, that's a highlight. So I'm sure he was very proud to see you on the podium at Bathurst. And like you said, hopefully we get to see you on that top step someday. <laughs> Jack and you know, it was it was a very busy Per Tech and Jury Cup campaign. Like we said, you started off with Bathurst and we went to the Gold Coast. Talk about your uh, Gold Coast weekend.
2: Yeah, well on the whole the Gold Coast weekend was disappointing. We actually had really, really good car speed. Uh, you know, the Walkenshaw guys given us fantastic cars, there's no doubt about it. We were very, very quick and throughout the year they'd struggled, but we you know, for whatever reason we've been able to manage the right setup and the right combination for the endurance races and we were right on the money at the Gold Coast, um, I believe the first day uh I went for a passing maneuver on one of the Penske cars and, and uh, you know when you're trying to pass people in supercars you gotta get right off the limits we ended up uh making contact with them side on and, and the 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 officials thought in their wisdom they'd give us a time penalty so i had to come in and serve pit stop and make a ten second penalty. But we actually kind of recovered from that. We were running fifth or sixth on the road and I was battling some of the main series drivers we were on a slightly different strategy, but we were sort of holding our own. And then, um, you know, James was looking really good there at the end and, and uh, got, got involved in the Tangle. We one of the, the, the Nissan so I believe we got another drive-through penalty or something. So very disappointing Saturday. And then Sunday was another another dreadful story. In the pit stop, uh, when we changed drivers, um, the door, the driver's door wouldn't close when James got back in the car. And, of course, it, it flung open um on the track and we had to make a pit stop to race tape the door shut james got back out there and we still managed to finish well inside the top 10 having made one extra pit stop to everyone else and uh unfortunately that's a surfboard that had our name written all over it and and, uh thanks to a road car door not shutting properly um yeah we, we didn't get it but uh no point dwelling on those scenarios um but it's often disappointing when you've got car speed good enough to to win or to be on the podium and you don't you know get to get that benefit. So um, disappointing there. And then yeah, we went onto Sandown and uh, again car speed was was really good. We were very quick in practice to we recall cool, being quite quick in the co-driver sessions. And uh, two things didn't go away um in the qualifying races and whatnot. But um, ah, then we qualified on the back. That's right. And then the, yeah, the races didn't go to plan. But come Sunday, we were well inside the top ten again. And then Unfortunately, uh, just a a tie, they laminated on James in the last stint and we dropped back to six or seven. So, um, yeah, a couple of results gone begging, but uh, all in all, you know, I think we finished fifth or sixth in the Enduro Cup. So if you look at how the team was going up until that point and then to have both cars in the top five, I think on the top six in the Endurance Cup was obviously a great achievement. So, uh, yeah, I was really proud to get the Masters podium, but um, certainly could have got a couple more. But, uh, you know, we we looked at this year for more podiums, that's for sure.
0: Well, yeah, you also competed in a few of the Super 2 rounds as well. You had a bit of success there uh, at Sandown, of course, on that weekend where you had the big 500 race as well. Uh, Talk about getting behind the wheel of a Super 2 car again.
2: Yeah, obviously, having stood down from the Bathurst race, um, I was pretty keen to repay the Eggleston team with a good result at Sandown when I was back to full health. And uh, we actually really struggled on the Friday in practice. The car speed was really woeful. Myself... uh, Justin Ruggier and Will Brown, who are the teammates. We were, I think we were last, second last, and third last in practice. So the guys, the engineers and Rachel and everyone in the whole team needed to do a bit of work to improve the casting. there And uh, thankfully we did. We qualified fifth, I believe, for the Saturday race. And it rained halfway through and our crew changed from wet to uh, slicks to wets during the race, which, you know, development series, super two-seat teams aren't geared up to do that. So our team did a great job to change our tyres over it. I think we managed to get back up inside the top four or five in that race, which gave us good points for um, Sunday and qualified on the front row, narrowly missing pole position and uh, sat behind Jordan Boyce the whole race. He had great speed, <coughs> drove very well in his race. But uh, those two finishes for us were enough to give us the round win, so we were able to stand on the top of the podium at the end of the weekend and Will Brown was also on the podium, so it was the Eagles Motorsport Motorsports um, 1-2. And, uh, yeah, it was obviously the best way I could have repaid the, the team. And then we went to Newcastle <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> went to Newcastle for the last round and uh had good speed. Uh a couple of things didn't go away. One of the races I think we flat spotted a tire and the next race we um <coughs> just stayed out of trouble and minimised to minimise the damage heading towards the next season. But you know, we turned a big corner on the Friday night at Sandown and really improved the car speed to put us in good stead for, for this season and uh yeah, uh, Brody Kosteki who's a teammate there this year, was able to win the first round. I had a, a terrible weekend at Adelaide, but uh, we were looking to rebound before, uh, obviously, the coronavirus COVID-19 got involved. But, um, yeah, we're looking forward to getting going again with Egus from O-Sport and really picking up from where we finished off last year.
0: The uh, 2019 wrapped up, of course. You know, we had the Enduro Cup with the event at Sandown, <laughs> And then after that, um, it was announced that James Courtney would be leaving Walkinshire Andretti United. Um, yeah, talk about the discussions before joining Tickford again with our 23 Red.
2: Uh, yeah, well, obviously James leaving Walkinshaw, and, uh, you know, the writing was on the wall, everyone, the worst kept secret was they were hiring Chaslop, couldn't afford to pay two drivers, and we and needed someone to bring funding in the second car. So the dynamic of the team was always going to change, and, um... James had announced at Bathurst that he was going to be leaving the team and going to the new Team City thing with Tecno, which we now all know turned to pear shape and didn't really work out for James. But from my point of view, I needed to work out what the best opportunity was to get on that top step of the Bryce House podium. Um, I had a couple of discussions with a few different teams and uh, you know, when, it, when it a push comes to shove to make a decision, the, the best one I felt to get me back on the top step of the podium was to get into one of these Mustangs and to be with Phil Monday and, and Will Davidson in the twenty three red wheel Milwaukee car. Uh no, I think that's, was for, for me definitely gonna be the one that was gonna give me the best chance. And um I think so far as the year started they were just off the podium in the first two races of Adelaide running fourth or fifth in the championship and qualified first for the races of the Grand Prix. So I feel like uh my decision so far looking like being the right one and uh just hoping we get racing in soon and hoping we can get the Enduros in where I get to uh, drive with those guys and um, you're yeah, looking forward to what that opportunity may bring.
0: Great decision to move on to a proven winner, the Mustang, obviously, this year. Uh, this year, before all the stuff that's happened recently took place, we had the big decision from Holden, of course, to cease existence, really. Um, you know, the Perkins name, of course, is very much synonymous with the Holden brand. <coughs> what was that like for you when you got the news that Holden would no longer be around anymore?
2: Yeah, it's obviously a sad thing. Holden's an iconic brand; it's part of Australian history, and you know, obviously, our families had quite a long history with the General as well. So, uh, you'd be lying if you said you weren't surprised. Uh, well, I thought there may have been a bit of a process where they rebranded from Holden to Chev for some time, and then maybe then died off. But uh, they cut out that step and just retired the brand. And yeah, it's obviously a sad day not just for our family, but obviously for people that are directly affected, whether they work at Holden or work for companies that did work for Holden. It's um, it's been a bit of a sad story since they ceased car manufacturing in Adelaide. It's obviously disappointing, but there's nothing any of us can do about it. We can celebrate the memories, and uh, you know I think we'll still be seeing Holden's driving around on roads for a long time, as they you know a fantastic product, and uh, they're definitely still racing this year at least. So uh, let's just hope that uh, we can you know keep racing supercars, that the rule makers can provide a decent set of rules where people can come car racing, and who knows, there might be other manufacturers or other brands that want to get involved in our great product of supercars racing.
0: Well, yeah, you mentioned, you know, the demise of Holden. You're doing a good job to keep the Holden brand going, though, because you've restored a 2003 supercar, the uh, iconic Castrol Commodore that Larry Perkins (coughs) raced in at Bathurst for his final ever, Bathurst 1000. Talk about this process of putting together this car.
2: Yeah, well, this is my day job, I guess. Um, I'm not a full-time driver. Um, I'm not really a full-time media guy either. I work for a living and I run a, I run what was the family business, Perkins Engineering, where we basically don't run a race team anymore. We look after some customers and remanufacture components for cars and restore cars. So we've currently got three in the shop, but one of them's finished, and that was the 2003 Bathurst car, as you said, Dad's last Bathurst car, the only car that Dad maintained ownership of. So... Uh, when he sold his business to the Cowleys, they took all the other Commodores and that one was the only one left in the shed. Dave got to hang on to it, which was great. And uh, we said about restoring it, but uh, it, was, it was a big job. I started that in 2012 and at the time I wasn't full-time. But um, quite a lot of work goes into restoring something. It's, it's much easier building something from scratch and build it new as opposed to recreating something. So massive project. Uh, you know, a lot of chassis work went into getting that back to how it was. A lot of engine work, a lot of detail work, body work, uh, aero work go back from a, a VZ to a VY Commodore and stuff like that, so um, very meticulous with our restoration wanted to make sure everything was exactly how it was in 2003, and um, yeah, that's why it took so long, but it it's a great moment for us to get that out of track, to get that back in the car, and at Phillip Island for the classic events there, there that the VHR run, a fantastic event run by Ian Tate, and um, it's great to be a part of it. Uh, car ran faultlessly, which is a credit to what was done, and um it really uh, almost brought a tear to my eye. I've seen a driver and how much blood, sweat, tears are put into the project. So so we, uh, it was a very proud moment. It was cool. We had the whole family down there, so it was great.
0: That's some awesome stuff there. You mentioned how much hard work goes into restoring a car like that. Uh, yeah, I think I researched that you were looking at old photos of the car as well, even just to get little things like the stickers right on it. Is that right?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the restoration project, one of the biggest things you can get is Period correct photos. So for all our cars, we uh we look for photos, we look for uh detailed information on things. So uh yeah, for sure, uh, photos help recreate what we're achieving. So there's always plenty of photos of cars on track, but there's not a lot of photos in garages, bonnets up, doors open, and boot's open, just to really help show you what what goes where. And, and a lot of people wonder why you don't have those photos yourself. Well, it's not not often that you think about restoring something, so. We've got all the parts and drawings and a lot of photos, but sometimes you don't have photos of everything. So we put the call out and thankfully through our Perkins Engineering Facebook page we've got a lot of supporters and a lot of people keen to help us out and uh they you know, they were they were instrumental in, in, in all of our restoration projects and we've got a great following there. So it's uh yeah, it's a cool thing to be able to share with people.
0: Well, yeah, you mentioned the Phillip Island Classic Festival of Motorsport. Obviously, you got to take the car out for some hot laps. Not only you, your dad as well. What was it like for you and your dad driving that car?
2: Yeah, I must admit, I only did a shake down of stand and I didn't drive it to Phillip Island. Dad did all the driving to Phillip Island. It was, it was really good, you know, it was, the event was about him being the patron him driving the car. So I, did, I didn't quite need to uh, boost or justify my ego by driving. It. So I was really happy to watch dad drive it and sort of be his mechanic and uh reminded me of when i was a young bloke i used to enjoy strapping the seat seatbelt in for dad and watching him drive around so philip island was no different we got to do the same thing and um like i said the car ran faultlessly and we were able to you know work on a few things to help it go a little bit faster in terms of the setup and things it was set up for baffers because that's when we were still going to do so obviously uh, philip island presents a few different challenges so we, we worked on it and we had a good time and yeah, we had our whole family down there. My sister, her kids, uh, my partner, Tara, and our little baby, and my mum was there. So it was, a, you know, it was a nice family weekend at the race
0: break. Yeah, you mentioned it there, the whole family aspect. Yeah, you've become a father just recently, so congratulations on that. Uh, talk about what that's brought to your life now, having having a little one.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. It's uh, uh, really cool. One of the coolest things I reckon I've ever done in, in life. And uh, my, ta- my partner, Tara, and I are really proud of... Uh, our little baby girl Emmy, who's uh, about 14 weeks old now, so she's getting on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just one of the coolest things ever. We got a healthy little baby girl, and uh, yeah, it's just an amazing feeling. It's great for the family to be able to spend some time with their grandparents, and um, she's got great grandparents on the other side of the family as well on, on Tara's side. So <laughs> that's just a really cool thing. And uh, yeah, just just loving every moment of being a dad, and. Uh, just um just thoroughly enjoying the family
0: time. Well that's the thing, yeah. It's been a very busy two thousand and twenty season regardless, and then you've got all these things now as well, which is fantastic. Uh you've been very busy, like I said. Uh you've also joined the Motorsport Australia coverage for this season as well. Talk about that. You did some of this uh of course in two thousand and nineteen. Talk about this role for this season.
2: Yeah, I did, and um obviously I was really looking forward to being a part of uh, the Motorsport Australia series, but obviously with the ARG group running TCR and S5000, uh, two new categories to Australian audiences and we saw last year in the first year there was a lot of interest and a lot of hype about it and it was great to be a part of it and then this year, obviously with the Bathurst events and a couple other different events, it was shaping up to be a fantastic year and we should have already done a couple of races that have been cancelled thanks to coronavirus. But you know, once this series gets going again, we're all really looking forward to it on the Seven Network. Uh, we've got a great team of people that are broadcasting it, and um, you know I think the product is the best part. Um, we're just there doing a little bit, but you know S5000 in particular you know, caught the imagination of, of, of the uh, open wheel supporters, and then stuck in the TCR. It was very successful last year with a lot of brands and a lot of good drivers. And things. Um, You know, year two was always going to be bigger and better. So hopefully it's not not too long on wait, mate. We can get out there and we can uh, start bringing that race into the TV screens around Australia. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, obviously really, really uh, looking forward to being a part of it.
0: Awesome stuff. Another thing that would have been quite good was, uh, you know, obviously we didn't get any motorsport action taking place during the Grand Prix, obviously. However, you were doing some stuff for Channel 10 there and you got to interview some pretty big F1 drivers, didn't you?
1: I did mate,
2: yeah, with the uh, Thursday of the Grand Prix we were doing our, our sort of normal pre-event interviews and um, got to interview, as you said, some really good drivers. Initially I was scheduled to interview Valtteri Bottas, Carlos Sainz, uh, Kevin Magnussen and Lando Norris, which we did. And then there was an opportunity late in the day when the drivers came out of the press conference and uh, one, one uh, member of the media was given the opportunity to interview them and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and Channel 10, Channel 10 said, uh, go your hardest, Jack. And, uh, yeah, I got to interview Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Sal, and obviously Dan Ricardo, So, uh, for me, that was, yeah, a really cool moment. Um, and, and Lewis, the interview with Lewis, especially for me, was was, was uh, one one of the coolest things I've done. Uh, I had a perception that Lewis was, uh, uh, I guess, for the better use of the term, a bit of a wanker, but... Uh, I spoke to him about the bushfires in Australia and the support that he had for the wildlife and things. But, uh, mate, it was just a great chat. He really opened up and sort of came across as a normal person and we spoke about how he'd been to the Blue Mountains and, and went and checked out the wildlife uh, rescue there. And Then we mentioned that there was a really cool racetrack just over the hill there called Bathurst and he loved the thought of that. And told me he played it on PlayStation and was keen to do the real thing. So we had a chat for probably four or five minutes and, um, yeah, I left it thinking, well, you know, He's just a, a normal guy like the rest of us, and uh, yeah, it, was, it was cool to be able to, to bring that side of him to the audience.
0: Yeah, awesome stuff there. You mentioned like the PlayStation and that there, with Lewis doing stuff around the mountain at Bathurst. This year, of course, we haven't had much racing taking place, obviously. We've got lots of virtual racing going on with plenty of E-Series competitions around the globe. What have you made of the whole E-Series?
2: <laughs> oh, look, without being a negative Nancy, I personally am not a simulator sort of E-racing kind of guy. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not real. Um, the simulators aren't moving and, and doing all the things that race cars do, but, uh, yeah, it certainly appears to be filling a bit of a blank in, in the, sh- in the schedule. And I guess it's something our sport can do that other bracket and ball sports can't, but, uh, you definitely won't see me competing in anything series. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, on the track, obviously, like we said, 23 red this season, uh, if and when we do get some motorsport action taking place, you mentioned how strong they were at the Superloop 500 and then at Melbourne as well. Uh, what's the car that like to drive this year? You did have a test run earlier on in the year. What was it like to drive and how do you think it's going to go come enduro time?
2: Yeah, well, I did have my first taste of the Mustang at the uh, Ben Loop test at the start of the year. And Will Davidson was the fastest car that day too. So um, the car was, was good. It was a bit different to what I was used to, but um, not night and day. Um, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was good to get some laps and, and give it in mind that the first thing is meant to be at Salem Bend, So obviously getting laps there before your race is important, but, um, you know, for me it was more about meeting the guys and the team, which a lot of them I'd worked with back in 2014, uh, when I drove there full time. But, um, and, you know, obviously starting to work with Will and get used to the seat position and the ergo and different and pieces. But, um, no, uh, we're really looking forward to getting going. Uh, hopefully there's some. Uh, a lot of races between now and the enduro's and then when the enduro's get going, um, you know, I am looking forward to playing my role, which is keep the car nice and straight and hand it back to Will in one piece and um and watch the rest of the race on T V. So um so no, really fortunate, uh, thankful to Phil Monday for the opportunity and, and of course the sponsor of the car in Milwaukee, especially um, you know, that through these times of they're supporting obviously uh Will in the in the E series and uh, looking forward to getting going in the real thing.
0: Awesome stuff, Jack. Well, you know, hopefully we do get a lot more sporting action taking place, including motorsport, obviously. Um, best yeah. of best of luck for all the all the enduro campaign and uh, all the other projects as well that you're working on, Jack. Thanks again for joining us on the podium.
2: Excellent, mate. Thanks, Jason. Cheers.
0: There we are, Jack Perkins joining us on the podium to talk about. His upcoming campaign with 23 Red in 2020 and also the TV projects he's been working on and that restoration of that 2003 Castrol Commodore. Uh, Great stuff to have him on the show again and hopefully he has plenty of success come Enduro time this season. We've almost finished up now for today's edition of the show. However, before we finish up, we've got the podium of the week. Yes, it's the podium of the week. So for anyone that's new to the show, welcome the podium of the week. Pretty much we look at three performances from either individuals or teams from the motorsport world and we reflect on their big performances throughout the week. So position number three on the podium of the week, we've decided to give it to Chaz Mostert. Yep, Chaz Mostert went and competed over in the IndyCar E-Series event a little earlier on in the week and great to see him up there competing against some massive names of motorsport. So he gets position number three. Position number two, we're giving it to a youngster. It's Brody Kosteki. So, for anyone that was watching the Supercars E Series event from Bathurst, we had uh, Brody Kosteki obviously entering as a wild card, and boy, did he put in some great performances. Very close to getting a win in that final race with that huge battle with uh, Scott McLaughlin going into the final corners there, and an epic performance from Brody Kosteki. And hopefully, we get to see him performing strongly when it comes to the enduro season this season. And position number one for the podium of the week, we're going to give it to a Formula One driver who was competing in the IndyCar E-Series event a little earlier on in the week. It is, of course, Lando Norris. Yep, Lando Norris. He was a wildcard entry. That was his first ever IndyCar E-Series event, and he managed to win the race in his first attempt. So great stuff there from young Lando Norris and quite a popular figure he is amongst the socials, obviously, and a big driver for McLaren. And hopefully we get to see him in action in the Formula One World Championship season. And that's about it for this edition of the show. Uh, If you've missed out on any interviews that we've done in previous editions of the show, uh, you can head over to our podcasting platforms and you can catch up on those there. Uh, Thanks again for everyone that's tuned in. Catch you next time on the podium.